This podcast contains sensitive content, which some may find disturbing. Information shared here should not be construed as medical advice. If you or someone you love needs help with trauma, chronic pain, or anything else we discuss here, please seek out a medical professional. All resources shared are for entertainment purposes only. All content represents the opinions of Kim and Anna and any special guests and do not necessarily reflect the positions of any organizations they work for. This is not ideal, but we're going with it. A mother-daughter podcast about chronic pain, trauma, mental illness, and more. Kim is a trauma therapist and certified addiction counselor who lives in Pennsylvania, USA. And her daughter, Anna, is a scoliosis sufferer and trauma survivor living in the tropical north of Australia. Join us each week as they discuss topics from their life experiences. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome. This is Not Ideal, but we're going with it, the podcast. I'm Kim and I'm the mom. And I'm Anna, I'm the daughter, and we are so excited to finally be back with you after <laughs> another unplanned hiatus <laughs> of how long? Oh, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> I feel like this is how we start every single episode. We are still here. Barely. What's our goal by the end of this year for the end of the season? Three more? <laughs> I don't know. Right? Originally, I think it was like 12. Se- season four has <laughs> has been a little bit of a non-starter. However, <laughs> we... Mom read, Mom read somewhere online that if you, <laughs> if you, you can... finish season four, <laughs> if you can just finish season four, we're crawling, we're crawling through season four. We've lost both of our legs and one of our arms. We're, we're just kind of we're on, single arm crawling ourselves. We're on elbows dirt. and knees at this point. Yes. We're, and we're guilting each other across the finish line. We Anna are. will say, can we record when it's like 2 a.m. my time? I'll say, Anna, we have to record and it will be like uh, 11 30 p.m. In the middle of a final exam for law school for me. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, <laughs> law school, I would say law school has definitely thrown a wrench in our our work for sure for Um, um, sure okay yes I, I see we're starting this episode with the blame game. It's We've been, talked about the been. name game previously. <laughs> Judy, 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 banana, banana, booty. But instead, now Yay. we've moved to the blame game. Yes, you. It's your fault. It's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> your fault. Listen, this is episode three? Four. Four? Episode? <laughs> yeah. It's November. It's almost November. <laughs> And we are doing episode four. So we are going to try to cram in three more before the end of the (laughs) year. Do you think think that's possible, Anna? It's going to be on your shoulders. Is it possible? (laughs) Yeah, that is accurate. Are you going to be able to do it? Do I think we're going to be able to do it? Here's what I think. <laughs> I think we should lower and manage expectations. No, we're gonna we're gonna be back, listeners. Don't give up on us. We're working on it. It's only about like one episode of a fortnight. If we can if we can record every fortnight and edit it, yeah, edit it down. I think it. I think we okay. might be able to make it work. Well, but you've got trips and stuff going on. You've been all gallivanting around the globe. Okay, don't come guilt tripping me. You've been super busy gallivanting. Don't come at me with gallivanting. Don't use your extended vocabulary to try to make it sound like it's my fault. Tell the people where you were. Where I was? Oh. Yes. Most recently. I can tell you're, I can tell you're lounging. I am lounging. I can <laughs> hear your esophagus. 
this, stop that. It's in, the, it's in the slanted position. Sit up. Sit up. Stop. It's, All my words. Look at that posture. <laughs> I'm going to sit like this forever. Sit up. Yeah. Where, where did you go? So, Tell us where you went. Are you done? Yes. Most recently, I was in New Zealand. Actually, I was talking to my friend at the laser hair at the laser place that I go to. And <laughs> at the laser hair is that hair removal? Yeah, laser hair removal. Okay, yuck. Yuck. Are you kidding me? Anyway, we'll not get into that. But yeah, doesn't it hurt? <laughs> not as I mean, not really. Anyway, I was talking to this girl while I was there. We were talking about how busy we were. She said the last time I went on a holiday was with a family vacation. I said, oh, where'd you go? She said the Gold Coast. I was like, oh, that's fun. She's like, yeah. And also, though, I I do get to go on a holiday to uh, Melbourne at the end of this year. And I was like, oh, I was there earlier this year. And she goes, wait, how many trips have you been on this year? And then I started thinking about it. And I've actually been on a lot of trips this year. Exactly. Okay. Whose fault is it? It's yours. First of all, it's no one's fault. That's like saying whose fault is it that cotton candy was invented? It's not. That's well, it's nobody's fault when a good thing happens. Also, you have another trip before the end of this year. We got to squeeze in three episodes around your jet-setting schedule where we can hardly keep track of you. You're like, "Where's Waldo?" Listen, you're trying to manage your anxiety about me going to Singapore. Mm, <laughs> by trying to convince me that traveling in general is bad, which Ugh. let me just say that's that's not going to be a successful a successful endeavor. You make a very good point. But but Period. this trip to Singapore will be the fourth country that I been in this year so that'll be that's that's fun i think that might be that must be a new record for you well i've got there have been a few times that i've been up to three Mm -hmm. but I don't know. Anyway, just give us the highlights for you about New Zealand. Your first time there. What else? My personal highlight was that we got to do this amazing private hot tub deep in the mountains. It was like nestled. It was outside. It was fed by this beautiful freshwater hot spring right in the middle of the mountains. And it was all Mm. super snowy mountains all around and it was snowing a little bit. It was just Mm. really nice. Aaron really liked skydiving. We skydove. Skydove? Boy, past tense of skydiving. Skydove? Over the Remarkables, the Remarkable Mountain Range, uh, which wow. is near Queenstown, which is really, really amazing. Those are some beautiful mountains. Yeah. Although nothing will ever compare to the Adirondacks in my mind. Yeah. And oh, and we got to do this beautiful, oh, what's it called? Not conservatory. Observatory. Observatory. My girl's mm-hmm. scrambling. My girl in my head scrambling for the papers of the words she keeps in the She's same. Like, music. Is it music? It's not music. <laughs> it sounds like music. What is it? We got to go on this gorgeous private midnight tour of uh, at the summit of this mountain with one of the top four observatories in the world. It's the world's largest dark sky reserve. What's it called? It, it, well, it's in Lake Tekapo. Mm-hmm. It's called the actual thing itself is called the Dark Sky Project, although it used to be called the Earth and Sky Project. Anyway, that was really fun. We got to look through all the big domes of the observatory. It's really and look through all the huge telescopes. Uh, anyway, it was really fun. The skydiving thing was definitely something I tried tried to ignore. I wanted it to be over, but I didn't want to know it was happening. Uh-huh. Which ended up working well because I told you it was going to be on one day and then I ended up moving it up two days and doing it and then just letting you know afterwards. Yeah, I still so, had a panic yeah. I still had a panic attack, so. Yeah, it was it was uh I just don't you're you're just an, an unbelievable woman. Can I just say that? With all that you've been through, that you would then fly up into the air and jump out. I I just I can't <laughs> well, I, even. Well, thank you. I feel like people think about skydiving like it's this big thing that it is a big thing but in my mind i feel like everybody's done it no i don't know Anna. i got up there no i got up there and my guy was like are you okay and i was like yeah i'm fine and he's like oh you're not screaming and i said am i supposed to be screaming and he was like most people scream when they're fine i was like oh no i mean it's this is fun 
Like I'm in, I'm having fun. I'm enjoying myself. I'm not going to ruin it with screaming. Like why would I? No. I'm only going to scream if something is horrifying. You know what I mean? This is just fun. Mhm. I have the skydiving statistics here. Oh, I'm so glad I didn't look at these before. Okay. About 500,000 people make a total of about 3 million jumps per year. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. So that's a very small number of people <clears throat> that are crazy enough to do that. Well, I so, both thought it was nuts because all leading up to it, like the whole brand of the place that we went with was all like, be brave, you know, overcome your fear. And Aaron and I were both looking at each other during all the, because they ha- they make you watch like a hundred videos about like how to be safe and what you need to do. I mean, not a hundred. There were three. It should have been 400. I was looking at Aaron. They should make you get a PhD <laughs> before you're allowed. I was looking at Aaron and I was like, what? And he goes, what? Are people like scared of doing this? Anyway. Oh my gosh. Anna, of what? course. You're jumping out into the sky. What in? Okay. Well, how is but that hold hard on. to understand? Hold on. The fatality rate is 0.006 per 1,000 jumps. What's the fatality rate of driving? I do not That's, care. It's way safer. You, it, no. Plus, I trusted my guy. He was a little Irish guy. I trusted him. He seemed like he knew what, what the haps was. No, it's not. It's a no. But you didn't ask me. <laughs> No, and you you didn't ask for my advice. And we all know that I never give my advice unless it's asked for. (laughs) So, (laughs) what I did was I told Dad, and then (laughs) Dad proceeded to send a text, I believe, yeah, uh to I think your husband. Is that correct? (laughs) (laughs) I I forget if it was to me or to Aaron. No, yeah. You guys, listen, Complete, you guys were not Completely enthused. ignored. Nobody, and then the next thing we know, you, you've done it. It was my fault for having told you guys, admittedly. But listen, I'm an honest person with you guys. I want to tell you guys everything. Oh, it still makes me nervous. I'm being nervous. I'm having nervousness in the reverse. I am so glad it's behind us and you don't have any desire to do it again. Is that correct? Can you make a commitment about that right now? Mm, I can't make a commitment about that right now. Oh, However- it's so gross. It's gross. <laughs> How gross. My confusion was was that everybody, well, not everybody, but when I told, when people would be like, oh, what did you do in New Zealand? I said, oh, we did the observatory, we did the hot tub, we we went skydiving. People were like, skydiving? How'd your back go with that? And in my brain, that that question confuses me. Because like, what do people think happens when you skydive? Like, it's not heavy on your back. Yes, but it's the landing. It's landing. The idea that you're going to get jolted. And that's exactly when you jump. Uh That's exactly what I'm thinking. Any kind of potential. When you jump in tandem, Mm -hmm. only your Uh instructor's legs hit the ground. You Mm -hmm. don't land. It's just them who land. You just put your feet up. And then you, you just like sit in your instructor's lap when you hit the ground. And you land though, so slowly. Uh, yeah, right. You land so slowly. I've seen people land from that. It does not look slowly. That's not the adjective I would use. It looks like <laughs> ba-boom. And then hopefully <laughs> everything the, worked well. My head the wall. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, if everything uh-huh. went according to plan, it's still, you know, landing. I mean, that's the whole point. Landing. We don't want that for you. We don't okay. want you landing anywhere. For, for those who are curious, it was completely fine on my back. I felt oh, I'm getting I felt nothing ache. in my back during the entire thing. The one thing that I tell myself, which I think we've actually talked on the podcast before, uh-huh. was the one time when I think you were wanting to do something 
not too long ago. I oh, it was a trip that I wasn't too excited about. Mm-hmm. And you said, "Mom, I'm in pain all the time, and I have these opportunities to do things, and you can't hold me back from these moments of doing life when you know that this condition limits me for the majority of the time." So I always tell myself that it wasn't quite enough to help me through the skydiving, but <laughs> it was. It was a good reminder to me. You got most of it right. Here's the actual thing though. It's that I'm in pain all the time. And what, like, what is the fear of doing something that people say is like adrenaline seeking or something like that, something dangerous? What's the fear? It's that you would get hurt or that you would then be debilitated somehow afterwards. And my feeling is that I'm already debilitated beforehand. Mm. And what's the fear of being debilitated afterwards? Oh, you won't be able to do the things you want to do. If you do this thing, you get injured, then for the rest of your life, you won't be able to do the things you want to do. Yeah, that is a very valid fear, except that I already have that. Yeah. And so I'm trying to still do the things that I want to do, even with the thing, even with the condition that I have. Right. And I'm not going to let this thing preemptively save me from an outcome that I already have. But as the mom, there's the desire to not have it be any worse than it already is. True. And that's valid. I can hurt my back by just like getting up out of the chair on the wrong direction. So same. So landing... <laughs> Sorry, landing landing gear. What a novel idea. That word, that word <laughs> landing and your back makes me feel obviously very anxious. But uh-huh. we got through it. It's over now. It's over. And if I ever do it again, I won't tell you until after maybe uh-huh. not even at all. But I also right. probably won't do it again. It's never this Yay! is the thing. This is the thing. Being skydiving was never on my bucket list. I only have two things on my bucket list and they're both very private, so I'm not gonna share what they are. Okay. But I don't have anything like skydiving or base jumping or rock climbing on my on my bucket list. I feel like the only things that should be on a person's bucket list are the things that you can't just go out and do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the things on my bucket list are things that I can't manufacture happening. Like Mm -hmm. I can't go pay $200 and do the thing on my bucket list. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, but the thing is, (laughs) some people actually can't do those things because of fear and they want it's on their bucket list because their hope is to be able to overcome their fear. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, all that to say, the reason we only have four episodes is your fault. And... Uh We are back and we're going to be talking about some interesting things. What are we talking about tonight that you wanted to talk about? Here's what I want to talk about. The difference between self-confidence and narcissism. Mm -hmm. I've had several conversations with people in the last, say, month and like over four different people. Mm -hmm. But they've all said, oh, I think I have this person that I work with or this family Mm -hmm. member or an ex-partner of mine who is narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And then I listen to them tell me like why they think those people are narcissistic. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's valid and I think... Oh, yeah, that does sound like maybe real narcissism. But other times I think, "Mm, to me, that just sounds like a healthy (laughs) self-confidence. Like there's, I feel like we as a culture, especially women. Which culture are we talking about now? Westernized culture specifically, but I only say that because I haven't lived in Eastern culture. So I actually don't know if it's just as prevalent or more or less prevalent in Eastern culture. But specifically in Westernized culture, I think that women in particular have this line that, that we're all trying to walk between attractive confidence and overbearing confidence that then we start to call narcissism or other people start to call narcissism. Okay. And I would like to talk about the difference. Okay. And talk about the misconceptions that lots of people have about what narcissism actually is. And when you cross the barrier between being maybe a little bit too into yourself into actual pathological narcissism. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. And how this relates to trauma. 
Any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I, I hadn't gotten that far. Let's talk about narcissism first, and then we can link it into trauma at the end. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Do you want to hear the 10 personality disorders that are included in the DSM-5? Sure. All right. There is antisocial personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, hysteronic personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder, paranoid personality disorder, schizoid parano- uh, personality disorder, schizotypal personality disorder, All right, and then the last three are avoidant personality disorder, dependent personality disorder, and obsessive compulsive personality disorder. So what we're we're talking about is not just narcissism. Is that right? Mm -hmm. You're wanting to talk about narcissistic personality disorder. I mean, narcissist, yeah, that's kind of like the difference between being a psychopath and being a sociopath. Because narcissism, in the same way that the term psychopath is a lot of times used incorrectly in popular culture, people use it to describe a vague set of symptoms or characteristics that aren't actually diagnosable part of actual formal psychology and in that same way narcissism is like what do you actually mean by that that's not actually defined anywhere whereas antisocial personality disorder is very clearly defined and that's what most people mean when they say psychopath well and the same way that narcissistic personality disorder is very clearly defined and that's what we're talking about today as a classically trained young person can you tell us why this word narcissism why is why is that the word not why do we use the word narcissism yeah what's it based on what's the who's the character that it's based on oh narcissist it's based on a uh, i believe he was a greek guy that's a great question Oh man, I'm really pulling this out. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Some people say narcissus. Okay. It depends on where you put the emphasis. On the right syllable. Can you tell us the the story? I know that he was a Greek god and he he fell in love with himself in in a reflection in in water. He was like looking at himself in a pool Mm -hmm. and he loved himself so much that he spent the rest of his life staring at himself in the Mm -hmm. the pool of water. Oh, he didn't get like eaten or something while he was doing that? Uh, that's a good question. He wasn't the okay. guy. No, he wasn't the guy who got his organs eaten by crows, was he? Let me see. Let me, <laughs> here, I'll look it up. Let me look at this. Is a good thing. Let me look it up, and I'll read us the. I'll read us the legend of, of Narcissus. It's Narcissus. All right. Son of Cephasus, the Boeotian River, and Liriope, a nymph. Oh, that's right. He was, yeah, 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 yeah. His mom was a nymph and that's part of why he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the same, interestingly, the word nymph also from Greek mythology is where we get nymphomania. Okay. Isn't that so interesting? Mm -hmm. Nymphomania is an obsession with sex. Mm -hmm. And so they're, they're quite closely tied together. That's actually, I love looking up stuff like this. Okay. What was the question? (laughs) I've gotten sidetracked. The original story that it's based on. All right. So he was a beautiful young man who loved no one until he saw his own reflection in water. Yep, just like I said. And fell in love with that reflection. He eventually pined away and was turned into a flower of like name. So I guess there's also a narcissist flower. Let me look up. Oh, let's look it up. What's it look like? Yeah, narcissist flower. I I bet it's going to be ugly. Oh, a daffodil. (laughs) It's just a daffodil. What? What? Yeah. Yep. Isn't that interesting? Wow. It's called a daffodil, but it's also called a narcissist? No, narcissist narcissist is the genus, but the daffodil is the most common flower in that genus that we recognize. So he turned into a flower? I'm not sure if he like died and flowers grew where he died or if he just like, he got real like crispy and then, <laughs> and then poof, suddenly he like transformed no more corpse into a flower. That doesn't seem like a bad thing. That sounds like a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Am I, am I wrong? <laughs> no. no, you're not wrong. You ain't wrong. That does sound good. Especially when you compare it to like the guy who was con- uh, condemned to have crows pick out his intestines. Some of those stories ended pretty good. Yeah. 
Yep. They were definitely, then, I was questioning yeah, some that of that elementary. has to push the boulder up the hill for the rest of his uh, life. Yeah, yeah, some of that elementary uh, curriculum was a little bit, mm, well, hopefully <laughs> that won't, hopefully that won't stick with you at <laughs> night. But anyway. Yeah. Okay. So back to narcissism. So when you think of narcissism, you can have like some of these narcissistic traits and not necessarily have narcissistic personality disorder. And this is something that I think is really important to remember. People who have these clinical things are suffering. I do believe that narcissistic traits and clinical diagnoses actually come most likely from lots of trauma. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. That is a great point. This is a way to defend yourself against new pain because of all this old pain. And even beyond that, yes, I agree that that a vast majority of it would come from trauma. And even if you go deeper than that, I think a lot of it comes from shame. What do you think about that? Sure. For the benefit of our listeners, what I just said, I actually took directly from mom because she was oh. just, she'd been telling, she's acting like she's like responding to an original thought from yours truly, but alas, <laughs> she <laughs> she actually, you're good at that, acting like you're like you're responding to something that is actually not the case at all. Just like, mm-hmm. hey, people, real quick, a, a quick plug. If you don't follow our minis page, which is oh. a masterpiece in and of itself, yes. you can go and look up the video. Uh, captioned mom responds to my art and it's mom <laughs> pretending three times in very rapid succession 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 and and in that video so I was having a really hard day that morning I, we usually do minis early in the morning by the way the name of the uh, Instagram page is what uh, minis by Kim and Anna yeah so I was having a particularly difficult day that morning and Anna was like oh I want to record you responding to this. I wanted to record me showing my little miniature hot tub that I had made to mom and narrating through, you know, the different parts and what I made the thing out of, the little hot tub out of. But what she thought I wanted was like a reaction video, even though she'd already seen the hot tub. <laughs> so she re- tried to like react like a cold open react. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, I, was and- having, I, I was having a hard... I was having a hard morning. I felt like take one was still, I was still, I was, I was so still confused feeling, because she already from feeling, the get go. She was lying. Oh with, she was, no, from the get go. She was like, that. Oh my word, look at it. And immediately I was like, Oh, acting. It was acting. As yeah. soon as she stops her first reaction, immediately, like there's no break in between her saying, <laughs> That's so cool. Okay, let me try it again. Yeah. <laughs> Which was on film, and there was no way I was going to be able to edit it out. So I was like, "Okay, yeah, you can cold react all over so again." So she has, so she has me acting. Um, yeah. So anyway, but the people loved it. Yes, the, the people, people loved it. The there have been many, it. many thousands of people, people who didn't loved wanted. it, and yeah, yeah. So yeah, check us out, Minis by Kim and Anna. We what's so cool about us doing minis is we only work on our miniatures, our little miniature worlds. Which, by the way, I will say, I am not a crafter, but it, it really gives you a sense of controlling you're talented no it gives you a well okay yes the finished product (laughs) vetoed the finished product does you do feel like wow like i I can't believe i made i did that that yeah Yeah. yes and and that's all owing to the people who make these kits they're unbelievable 
how detailed these kits are. But anyway, the sense that you're controlling an environment, I think it's very soothing to trauma survivors. It's just this little world that you're kind of controlling and it's quite beautiful because of the manufacturers of these kits. And we've actually talked to the people at Cute Bee, which is the particular company we've been working on so far, and recommended that they create actual like historical historical miniatures like because what mom and i would kill for oh, is a kill, miniature but... like a charles yes. dickens writing room would be like so historical... like historically accurate yeah so that we can have dioramas my favorite thing in all museums dioramas mm. in our house so that we could be like come look at this this little diorama here, here and now let me tell you all my knowledge into true dickensian world and, now, and it's like on I, your bookshelf yeah and now as my house guest do you mind if i go into quite deep detail about this particular author so that, that's what <laughs> exactly that, that's what, it's an intro to stuff i want to talk about yeah it's a soft open i love yeah, it yeah it's a soft launch into completely it. domineering the conversation into something that you have been wanting to share with somebody for exactly some time. exactly yeah. so all that to say all that to say narcissism back to <laughs> back to narcissism i think that i think that in the 50 minutes 51 minutes we've been recording i think we've spoken about narcissism for a total of about four minutes okay narcissism bad <laughs> Charles Dickens miniatures, good. And I think that about sums it up, mom. Narcissism, not bad. <laughs> Narcissism. Less than ideal. <laughs> highly concernable health issue. Concernable, like you can make NPD concerned for you. <laughs> Concerning. Oh my gosh. All of these diagnoses are, represent a lot of suffering and can be traced back to pain. If we can help people process pain, then they can begin to find a map out of some of these very complex and complicated things. Narcissistic personality disorder, basically nine traits. Grandiosity. Well, how would you define that, Anna? Grandiosity. <clears throat> Feeling like you are way bigger, more important, more everything than you actually are. How would you confront somebody lovingly if they were if their grandiosity was causing a problem? This is a great question because here is possibly one of the trickier bits about NPD, which is that when you run into somebody who genuinely does have a problem with this on a grand enough scale. At least in my in my past when I've run into a person who is actually like this, I don't want to be around them. So I'm not going to stick around long enough to say, go get help. I'm going to be like, okay, wow, goodbye. That's a good point. So yeah. in other words, it, it feels like there's no entrance to actually have a voice to share your concern. Well-intentioned well people do try to help and point things out. But some of these particular ways of coping and dealing with inner turmoil are actually dangerous for people to just engage. You do have to be careful, right? You, you like yeah, you said, absolutely. I would probably walk away if I, and, and that may actually be the wisest uh, choice. Exactly. And here's the other thing. I correct me if I'm wrong, mom, but isn't narcissistic personality disorder correlated to a lack of empathy to other people? So if you go up to a person with narcissistic personality disorder or who could potentially be diagnosed with it and say, Hey, the way that you've been acting has been making me feel da da da. They're not going to care. And you can probably sense that before you even try. And again, is it that they don't care or is it that they're wounded to the point of being unable <clears throat> to care, right? It feels yeah, to you like someone just doesn't care. Yeah, or is it an elaborate defense mechanism that's been built up over many years after going through, through very, very through tremendous things. pain? Right. Yeah. But do but do maintain your boundaries, you know, your values. You you cannot 
force help on someone. You ha- you cannot make a repair with someone who isn't going to do their half of the repair or is incapable of doing their half of the repair. You can only br- build the bridge halfway and do all the healthy things you can do, but then you have to have boundaries. Not every situation has your name on it. So true. You can only build half of the bridge. That's a great point. Be careful. If you run into somebody with narcissistic personality disorder or really any personality disorder, you cannot build the entirety of the bridge between you and that person. They got to do their work. Yeah. That's their work. You can do your work too. But you can't do theirs for them. Yeah, that's right. Another part of uh, this is arrogance. Entitlement is another one. A lot of envy. You, you already talked about not having a capacity for empathy. This piece is important that you're actually using people in a way that is exploitative. And then, of course, a, a lot of admiration is needed. I do think that people often give up on people that have these disorders, but I don't think it's a life sentence. I know I'm not in the majority um, with this, but I really do believe. You don't think there are any personality disorders that are going to be with you for life? No, I think you can heal. Really? Well, that is interesting. These defense mechanisms make you appear almost the opposite of how you are beneath everything that you're doing. When your attachment system is also hijacked by your defense mechanisms, that ends up creating just a storm of problems because how I attach to myself, how I attach to situations, how I attach to other people is all impacted. It's going to be a long road, but I do believe we are wired to heal. Mm -hmm. It's finding the right interventions that are not further shaming, blaming, disabling. Yeah. Great. Good word. Good note to end on. You got to get in with somebody who knows trauma, who knows attachment, who knows a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Agreed. Always go to a professional if you think something needs looking into. Because if you think about, you know, since we're talking about narcissism, what am I doing but attaching to a version of me that doesn't exist, right? And I'm insisting Mm. others attach to that version of me that doesn't exist. But it's the recognizing that it doesn't exist that's the difficult part. Right. But uh, another person with a healthy attachment system is going to recognize this. there's something wrong here. And so the constant frustration and pain and difficulty and just, you know, it just breeds more anger and disgust. And Mm -hmm. I actually believe this version of me that doesn't exist. Mm. I'm actually attached to this version of me that doesn't exist. And I'm completely blown away, offended, irate, just disgusted Mm. by my treatment. I think attachment is huge. I think understanding trauma and how that impacts your nervous system is huge, how it's automatic a lot of times. Those combined, if it's my attachment system and trauma and earlier in my life that that happens, We really need good care to avoid developing all of these unhealthy ways of protecting ourselves. We do need Mm. protection. It's a a difficult world. It's a disappointing world. It's a painful world. Mm. But we can't do it in these ways that end up hijacking our brains, our bodies, our relationships. So True. Yeah. All right. Well... Thank you for coming with us on that roller coaster. <laughs> yeah. And now on to your snack, which is going to be? Uh, maybe some string cheese, maybe some seed crackers, maybe some frozen blueberries. Yeah. Yumma. Wow. Okay. Well, that doesn't sound appetizing at all to me, but <laughs> I hope 
I hope you enjoy <laughs> that. Maybe it a Häagen-Dazs ice cream bar. Yeah, that sounds Maybe, like a snack. The yeah. other thing sounded like bird food. Seed crackers and string cheese. You love string cheese. Don't even come for that. First of all, I know. Well, I know you have deep a, fried. No, I know that you used to have Breaded. string cheese all up in your fridge. Breaded and deep fried. <laughs> Oh, mozzarella sticks from Arby's. Yum. A little dunk and some marinara. Do you have Arby's out there? We do not have Arby's out here. Oh, how terrible. We also don't have marinara sauce. I'm sorry about that for you. Well, yeah, you should be. We are at the end of our podcast. We have been enjoying this uh-huh. time together. Thank you for being here. I'm Kim. I'm the mom signing off. And I'm Anna. I'm the daughter. Talk to you later. Thank you guys for joining us today. Stay tuned for more podcasts from Anna and Kim on the new series, Not Ideal, But We're Going With It. Also, check out their new website at www.notideal.net.